0: Key aero your aviation destination.
1: Military Aviation
0: Hello and welcome to episode 22 of the Air Warrior podcast. I am your host Richard Thomas and coming up this week in the latest of the Modern Military Team's fireside chats, we discuss some of the main headlines from the IDET 2021 exhibition in Brno and detail the fluctuating fortunes of Italian aerospace firm Piaggio. All of this coming up a little later on in the show. The news this week. The production read baseline of the F-35 Lightning II stealth fighter program is not expected to impact the delivery schedule of UK aircraft currently on contract following the publication in late September of a revised industrial output by Lockheed Martin. In a release published on September the 27th, F-35 Prime Lockheed Martin revealed that it had agreed... With the Pentagon's F-35 Joint Programme office the number of aircraft across all three variants that will be produced in the coming years. The rebaseline has been conducted in a bid to recover from a shortfall in aircraft manufactured as a result of the Covid-19 pandemic. The agreement stated an output of between 133 and 139 aircraft this year 151 and 153 aircraft in 2022, and an anticipated delivery of 156 aircraft beginning in 2023, which would be maintained for the foreseeable future. Speaking with the Air Warrior podcast, the UK Ministry of Defence spokesperson said that the country would receive three F-35B jets this month, six in calendar year 2022 and seven in 2023. The UK at present has received 21 F-35B fighters, and the contracted delivery of all 48 aircraft will be completed by December 2025. Recreation of a NASO standard training area in the open spaces of Canada with a direct flight corridor to the British Army Training Unit Suffield or BATUS range could offer militaries with limited access to available airspace, the prospect of an airland training environment with unmanned aerial vehicles up to class two in size. In a joint announcement in mid-September, 360ISR and Canadian UAVs agreed to jointly offer a UAS training area with Transport Canada approved, detect and avoid capability to provide an end-to-end solution to prospective customers, particularly military operators of unmanned platforms. Speaking with the Air Warrior podcast recently, Sean Greenwood, president of Canadian UAVs, and Ewan Stockbridge-Syme, president and CEO of 360ISR, stated that too often a UAS is procured by an operator without the creation of a pathway to leverage the platform's capabilities, a shortcoming of not having access to a more comprehensive training package or indeed space in which to test concepts of operation. And finally, Australia's EA-18G Growler electronic attack fleet could be brought back up to full strength following notice that the US State Department has approved a possible foreign military sale of a single aircraft and related equipment for 125 million US dollars. As the only other country outside of the US to operate the type, Canberra's original 12 strong EA 18G fleet is a key element of the Royal Australian Air Force's electronic warfare capability. In 2018, one aircraft was destroyed following a fire during takeoff from Nellis Air Force Base. In paying $125 million for the platform and support, Australia will bear a significant premium, given the US Navy's acquisition cost of the aircraft of around $67 million. Okay, time now to drag in the rest of the modern military team to hear more from the business end of the military aerospace sector. Let's turn to our fireside chats to discuss some of the most important military aerospace news over the past week or so and introduce Group Editor at Large Alan Warnes and Deputy Editor Calum Chapman. Hi to you both. Hello there. Hello. All right. Alan, let's start with you. You've been out and about again, enjoying air shows and exhibitions, and I think you're at IDET 2021 this week, weren't you? Or well, last week, I should say.
2: Yeah, I went down yesterday.
0: Yeah, it was uh, to Burnham uh, by train, which was very, very pleasant.
2: And it was a it's a good show. I mean, it's a mix of not just aerospace, but also uh, land vehicles, and there was plenty of land vehicles there, and there was some interesting things uh, in this hall, if you. As you wandered around, for example, I went to the Pakistani company Gids and their global integrated defense systems, and uh, they had the Shapur Mark II picture on the wall. So I looked quite closely to it, and they, they said, Are you interested in this? And I said, Yeah, I am actually. I thought there was a, an armed version coming out, and they said, Ah, yes, you're right. And we talked about it briefly, and it, it appears that the arm version is. Made four flights so far with their uh, 245 kilogram Burak air to ground weapons, which was uh, quite impressive. And kids uh, don't usually give too much away, they're a military bank company, so everything's a little bit secretive. But uh, it was interesting to see that. And they told me that uh, they're going to have it at Edex in Cairo to make its debut appearance in December, which will uh, be quite interesting. And Edex is a Fairly interesting show. I haven't been there three or four years ago. So we will see what goes on there. But also, as I walked around, I saw uh, Long Praha were there. I chatted big to them about what's going on with their MI-17 work. And they told me that they were now working on the first prototype of their Beetle upgrade, or Krofka, as it's called here in the uh, Czech Republic. It's uh, the first of seven MI-17 SHs which are being uh, upgraded with a new digital cockpit. And uh, when I asked whose cockpit it was, they said it was CMC Electronics with some support from Hensfold. And, uh, you know, I was quite, quite interested to hear that. I know that something had been going on, but there was been some political issues at the back end of last year in which someone sort of disagreed about Ron Praha being awarded the contract, which, by the way, was for 14.4 billion Czech kroner or in real money, 47 British pounds, 47 million British pounds, sorry. Mm. We chatted briefly about that, and there was a minigun also in a glass shield nearby, which they were planning to integrate onto NATO pylons and put them inside the uh, MI-171 or MI-17. At the moment, they've got no customers, but I can see there'll be definitely a, a market for the the, Hirstel, the FN Hirstel, minigun uh, out there, particularly in Africa, where, you know, Boko Haram are running around. There's a lot of air forces who are trying to shoot them from their helicopters. Yeah. So uh, let's, see, let's see what happens on that. But the first one, work on the first aircraft being modified by a glass cockpit is underway and should be completed by the first quarter of next year. And the work on all seven helicopters will continue up to 2026.
1: Which, you know, gives them a bit of work. What is the current service life expectation for the hips in the Czech Republic? They must be getting on now.
2: Yeah, these are quite new ones. They got them in the mid-2000s. So they expect to continue until 2035. Unlike the MI24s, there's no imminent replacement for mi So The MI24s, of course, be gone in 2023. Replaced by the Venoms and Vipers, of which Lomper are now, I'm now desperately trying to get some work on. But yeah, the Mi 17 is uh, expected to continue service for a lot longer with the Czech Air Force, which is which is great. It's always nice to see a Russian helicopter flying around.
0: If I just ask briefly and quickly about the uh, Sharpur, I mean, you mentioned it's going to be showcased at uh, Edex in Cairo, which is a really interesting city. I guess that's obviously with a view to judging what sort of interest there might be in the Middle East and North Africa for the platform. I assume it's going to be rolled into service with uh, the uh, Pakistani military as well.
2: Yeah, I mean, the sharp as a reconnaissance UAV is already being operated by the Pakistan Army. Uh, when I asked them about the export potential, they said our markets are usually domestic, but we do have a X amount which we uh, proportion of the UAVs or combat UAVs, which we... we be willing to export and of course there's a lot of conflict going on in Egypt right now so uh, it could come in quite handy in Egypt. Yeah indeed.
0: Watch this space. Okay. Kalem over to yourself. You've got some developments from Piaggio and unmanned systems.
1: Yeah. So Piaggio obviously hasn't particularly been in the best of situation since 2018. But on October 1st, the Italian uh, Ministry of Defence decided that they wanted to buy six new uh, P-180 Avanti Evos, which would be used by the uh, Italian Air Force. But the deal's about 171 million euros. It includes six aircraft, full flight simulator, and an extension to the maintenance contract for the engines, so engine maintenance and Mm -hmm. such. It seems to be a bit of a a lifeline really to Piaggio, which is, according to Vincenzo Nicastro, uh, the extraordinary commissioner of Piaggio, they're very close to finding a new owner. But the interesting thing comes more so in the Hammerhead programme, which seems to have gone a bit quiet in recent years, but it was pretty much keeping Piaggio alive back in 2018. The UAE were initially interested in it, as were the Italians. Italy didn't particularly make any move to get them. The UAE eventually backed out, and that's one of the key factors that put Piaggio into turmoil from 2018. While no one's really saying much about Hammerhead, it's looking like Italy, uh, who were going to get about four examples, I believe, they're looking like they're not going to be pursuing that anymore. So it looks like Hammerhead is dead. Long live the Hammerhead, but um, it'll be interesting if Piaggio. Continue with it to see if there's any other export potential for it. However, at the minute, the Italian government still haven't really come out to say they're going to get them still. um I don't actually believe the Italian Air Force is in that much need for them. And I think they've openly said the head of the Italian Air Force at some point basically told the Italian Parliament that they have no need for them. So it'll be interesting to see what happens.
0: Yeah, well, indeed. It's probably a bit before your time, but um, the uh, company first showcased. The Hammerhead at Dubai 2013, I think I recall being there. It was interesting to see the very unique looking platform, but as you say, maybe there's not much need or demand for it. We'll see. We'll see. Okay, thanks, Jen. Appreciate your time.
1: Was that the same
2: year, Richard, that the uh, Alenia, as
0: it was called then, or Finn McKenna, was
2: also announcing the signature of the uh, MC 27J with the UAE Air Force? Because uh, it all seems to have gone pear shapely, doesn't it? The Italian and the UAE relationship in recent months.
0: I mean, Listeners can't see me nodding sagely, but Alan, I'll just have to take your word for it because that's casting my mind back into the dim distant past. So oh, I'll yeah. just take your word for that, one Alan. Cheers. Okay. Cheers.
1: I must say that uh, I was just leaving secondary school when you guys were messing around in Dubai with hammerheads and MC27Js, but uh, I remember seeing the MC27J at, at Riyadh, and that I think is the only time it's ever really come up it seems to have disappeared off the face of the earth however it looked cool baby ac-130 who doesn't want that
0: well thanks for that little um little chance to reminisce then i appreciate that okay for our listeners if you'd like to know more about the topics discussed today and all the rest of the news from the air and space domains please visit the key arrow and air international websites but for now until next week thanks for tuning in This has been a podcast from Key Aero, your aviation destination. Remember, visit www.key.aero for more of the same. Thanks for stopping by, and we hope to catch up with you again soon.